Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Never Too Late to Fly podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm Kevin. Together, we're going to dive into different topics around weight loss, body image, relationships with food, and how to overcome life's everyday struggles and challenges so we can all live our best lives possible. Remember, it's It's never never too late late to fly. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This is episode 17, and we're going to be talking a little bit about some questions that Jacqueline got asked frequently uh, prior to starting her journey um, when she found herself weighing over 500 pounds. So I think it's it's something that you get asked quite frequently are some of these things that when someone's starting a journey, like where do they start? How do they start? What? How did you know that it was time to get started? And I think that's something that um, both of us get asked quite frequently is how we dealt with and how we handled those certain situations. Right. I know a lot of the times when it comes to like when we're interested in seeing people's weight loss journey or how much weight they lost or wondering how they did it. um, I don't think we always see like the before and it's easy to kind of see like a before and after picture and see, you know, the after and think, oh, my gosh, it must have been so easy. How did you lose weight? But what those pictures don't show is everything in between and then what was happening before or when that before picture was actually taken and how much struggle it was to actually get started. I think that's and the- what went into actually beginning. So not just the journey of how did you lose weight, but what mentally, physically was going on at that point in your life to actually make you actually start. That's exactly what I was just going to say is that people don't take into account what got you to the point of starting where you needed to start. They don't realize all what all got you to right. your starting point. And they see like in my before and after pictures, like someone who was extremely overweight because like Kevin said, I was 500 pounds and my starting weight was like 510 pounds. And then they see an after and obviously there's a drastic difference in how my body is now versus how it was then. And I talk a lot about like the in-betweens and where I am now, but I think it's very important to address the before like what was happening before that journey began because that's still a huge part of my life and like I say if it weren't for that 500 pound girl actually starting I wouldn't be where I am today so I have to give a lot of credit to who I was back then and what I was going through in the past to get me to that point to actually start because that actually that moment is what actually made me lose weight and begin this journey and I get asked a lot Um, I like kind of the same questions over and over again, and I'm happy to answer them. I love sharing anything I can to help you guys out who are on a weight loss, self-love, body positive, body love journey, or just trying to live your best life possible. And so that's why we thought I would kind of answer like the top five questions that I get asked the most starting from the very beginning, like before the weight loss even took place. Right. And I think, too, though, like you kind of hinted at there, I think there's it's easy to see the physical change that happens. But mentally, what was going on prior to that point, I think, is a big thing as well. Right. Exactly. Um, so let's jump into the questions. And so uh, how did you find yourself uh, weighing 500 pounds? Um, and I know we did an episode prior on this that we'll they'll also link in the show notes. Um, it was episode 14. Um, if you're looking for to hear more about this. But let's jump in. Like, how did you find yourself over 500 pounds? Right. So that podcast Kevin's talking about goes into explicit detail as to what got me to weigh 500 pounds. But I think the most important thing to note or to talk about which led me to 500 pounds was I had an eating disorder. 
And I didn't realize it at the time because normally we think of people with an eating disorder are people who don't eat um, or who are underweight. And that's such a misconception in, you know, eating disorders or disorders in general because they don't discriminate. They don't discriminate age, gender, how much you weigh, whether you eat food, don't eat food. Um, And I think it was very easy for people to just say, lose weight. And that concept of just lose weight was very hard for me having to deal with an eating disorder and not having help or even realizing I had one. So I think that was the number one thing that actually led me to that weight is turning to food for comfort, trying to cover my emotions, my feelings, everything that I was struggling with internally with my body, getting made fun of, being put down um, and never wanting anyone to know I was struggling. And so I kept turning to food for comfort, turning to food to cover the pain. And physically, I could not stop eating. And it was so bad that I needed help, but I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't want to ask for help because usually when I did, people would say, well, just lose weight, like stop eating. And that was not helpful at all. And I think that's why I was scared because I thought something was wrong with me and this is just how I'm supposed to be. And, you know, one of the ones that goes off this question is, well, why did you allow yourself to get to 500 pounds? It wasn't something that I was like, let's see if I can get to 500 pounds because this will be fun. Let's get to 500 pounds and have all this weight to lose. Like, that sounds like a great idea. Obviously, if I could have stopped before I got to 500 pounds, I would have. It's not like a trophy or anything I got for weighing this much. It just made my journey a lot harder. Um, so I think that's what people don't realize either is I didn't choose to get to that weight. I didn't choose to weigh 500 pounds. And there was a lot going on that I physically and mentally could not handle. And the weight just kept adding, adding up. And I just kept getting myself into a deeper and deeper hole, which was very impossible at the time to feel like I could climb out of. Right. And I think, too, the other part that goes right along with that is you had ignored the scale knowing that, OK, I have a problem but not really realizing how big of a problem it had become at that point. Right. You just thought, oh yeah, I'm overweight, but not realizing where you had really truly like found yourself or right. dug yourself and into that hole, deep of a hole. Right, until I stood on the scale the day I started my journey and figured out that was my weight, I had no idea that I was even in the 500 pound range. Um, I knew, like Kevin said, I was very overweight. I knew physically and mentally I was not okay and it was hard to do things. But I didn't admit or want to know how bad it was, so I avoided the scale. And I think that was a big thing which led to also adding to the 500 pounds because it's easy to sit here and say, well, if I would have known this, I should have done this, I would have done this. But honestly, knowing myself, if I saw that number a lot sooner, I'm guessing, and I don't really like to go back and say, well, I should have, would have, could have. But I think knowing myself personally, I would have maybe tried to switch things up before I got to that weight. But in the same breath, I think it took me to 500 pounds, seeing that number on the scale to actually snap myself out of it and actually make the changes long term that I needed to do. Well, I think, too, and both of us are big believers in that everything happens for a reason. And had you not gotten to 500 pounds, maybe you don't have the success with being as stubborn uh, in a good way to stick to your plan and and lose the weight. Like maybe that doesn't happen if you don't actually see that number of 500 on the scale. I mean, there's no knowing. And I think that's a big thing is that we both truly believe that everything happens for a reason. Right. That, that and I think it took me to weigh 500 pounds to actually snap out of it and actually make this a lifelong 
journey like it's not just not a quick weight loss fix like i knew i had to change my life change my behaviors change my relationship with food because to get to 500 pounds that's not a normal thing that's not a normal weight for someone to find themselves with when we because we all struggle with you know we all you know a lot of us with our body our self-image from time to time like no one looks in the mirror every single day and is like oh, I'm perfect every single day. Like we all struggle with things we wish we were were different or things we could change about ourselves or our body. But to actually get to that weight, there has to be something else going on and a deeper issue in it with the relationship you have with yourself, with food, with your body and that codependency I had on food. Um, And so I think getting to that weight, seeing that number on the scale was like a huge wake up call for me. Like if I don't get myself together and change my life, like I'm headed for a place that I cannot come back from. And like, you know, I would probably die if I kept up what I was doing. So to answer that question, it took a lot of obviously eating, but it's not like I was sitting there shoveling food in my face all day, every day. It was the wrong foods I was eating. I was eating too much and I wasn't active. And a combination of that with that eating disorder of physically not being able to stop eating. But not only just the eating disorder, I think the whole mental health issues surrounding why you were acting in those ways and trying to use food to cover those emotions played into that as well. So I think all of those things combined actually led me to weigh that. And then, like I said, it was not a choice. It wasn't something I chose to do. It's not something that I'm sitting here like, oh, I'm so proud I got to 500 pounds. Like, it's nothing to be proud of. It's nothing that I would ever wish on anybody to have to lose that and deal with living a life at that weight and in that body. Um, but that's where I found myself. And that's where I knew my journey began was once I kind of realized that number, realized what was going on, realized I needed help and actually started to ask for that help. That's when it kind of started going from I'm digging myself a hole to, okay, now I can slowly start climbing out of this hole right so with that let's move on to question number two and that's like what that is what was it like to weigh over 500 pounds did you have challenges like physically did you have health challenges did you have problems with relationships or your social life like how did you feel mentally and physically when you were at your heaviest weight Whew, this brings me back <laughs> um because literally no joke sometimes when i I'm having such a bad mental health day or self-love day, I still find myself feeling like that 500-pound girl. Like when I look in the mirror, I still see the reflection of a 500-pound girl, which is part of like that disordered body dysmorphia image that I'm still trying to work on that I'm going to therapy for. Um, But some days, honestly, like it's rough. And, you know, thinking back to that moment in time is hard because... I tried so hard to always pretend like I was okay, that I didn't need help, that I was fine, that I was happy. Um, And it was exhausting to put that front on all the time that I'm fine, I'm happy, there's nothing wrong with me. When I got made fun of, it killed me a little bit every time someone made fun of me. And then to hold that in and pretend it was okay was so hard like I couldn't go anywhere without having someone point at me make a comment about my body like nowhere well that's the thing is I remember we would go out to eat and without a doubt we had to sit at a table like you physically could not fit in a booth right and so we would always like make it not try to make it a big deal but like try to like oh we want to sit at the table and make it Mm -hmm. like 
like a casual thing. And then reality was like, we just physically knew you wouldn't fit any other way. Right. And, you know, mentally, all the challenges, like Kevin said, not being able to fit in a booth and having to, when we were going out with friends or going out to dinner, you know, of course, everyone wants a booth, like they're more comfortable, they're whatever. But having to be like, oh, is it okay if we get a table? And you knew people kind of understood or they knew what you were asking in that. But I still felt like I was kind of a burden a little bit like, oh, now here are these special requests. Now we might have to wait a little longer or. Right. So it was just that feeling, always a feeling out of place, a feeling uncomfortable, a feeling like you didn't belong, a feeling like everyone was always looking at you, judging at you, pointing at you, making fun of you, making comments about your body, saying things that, you know, you constantly kept hearing over and over and over again. And it was like you already felt those things about yourself. And the more people kept saying it, it was like they were kicking you down lower and lower and lower every time. So my confidence really was low, like it was lacking, like I couldn't even walk from the car to the restaurant without being out of breath. I then I couldn't sit in a booth. I had to have special requests. Then I was constantly worried about what to order because I didn't want to order what I really wanted because I thought everyone around would be judging me. Oh, of course she's eating that or of course she's eating that fried chicken sandwich or French fries. Like, look how big she is. Of course she would be eating that. And all these disordered views of thinking everyone around me was judging me and making fun of me coming from because a lot of people were. But I think mentally that's a lot to carry around. And I kept that in. So it was even harder. And I know, you know, sometimes even my sister would start crying or try to yell at someone to defend me and I would have to calm her down and put more of my feelings aside to try to make her feel better and say, I'm fine, it's fine, leave it, it's fine, isn't it so funny? And, you know, and which only kept adding to the problem and the distorted views of myself and food and the relationship I had with food and with myself. Um, not being able to put my shoes on and bending over to tie my shoes, getting up and down, getting in and out of bed, little things like the seatbelt in the car not fitting, um, let alone air- airplane, like, forget it. Like, I, we stopped traveling. Um, it was kind of like, I felt like my life was put on hold and I was living this life that was not mine. That was not being able to go out with friends anymore because I started staying home and didn't want to go anywhere, see anyone, do anything. Um, we stopped going to sporting events. We love sporting events, you know, and we stopped going because physically I couldn't walk in. Well, I even at that, like seats. when we were still going, we would make sure that we would get seats in a section where we knew it was close to the gate where you wouldn't have to walk right. as far. We would drop you off and then meet you like right. inside. And like it was just a whole, every th- little aspect had to be planned out and thought about so that you physically would be able to do it. Because if we didn't think about all those things, it, it just was physically right. not possible. So things like that, like putting life on hold, not traveling anymore. And if we did, it was anywhere we could drive because there was no way I was getting on an airplane. Um, And so it was just things like that, not traveling, not seeing friends, not seeing family because I was so ashamed of myself and not wanting to eat out in public ever because I was so ashamed to eat, to have anyone see me eat. Um, Later learning that that's a pretty strong telltale sign of someone with an eating disorder. Um, just little things like brushing my hair, putting my hair up in a ponytail, blow drying my hair. I could not physically do like I couldn't lift my arms up to do it. Um, so it was pretty safe to say it was pretty challenging. 
And it was always like, I felt like I was in this body, in this space, dealing with these things that were in a dream. Like this was a dream world. And I was like, anytime I was just like, wake up, wake up. I want to start living my life, doing the things I want to do. But I felt trapped in this body, in this space, in this life that was not mine, that I felt like I had no control over. And it was hard, especially trying to then keep all of that in which keeping all that in is not only exhausting, but it causes so much like damage. Right. And mentally and physically. And it was just, I started really getting into a dark place and really just thought, this is my life. There's nothing I can do about it. This is how it is. And there's nothing I can do about it. Right. It got to the point where that's just kind of you accepted. This is just how it is. And that this is how it's going to be. Right. Um, and in terms of medically, which oddly enough, um, I didn't go to the doctor a lot because I didn't want them to weigh me and deal with that. But when I did, they all thought I had diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. They were ready to put me on all these medications. But other than your weight, that was the only number that was out of normal. Cholesterol was fine. Blood pressure was always fine. I didn't have diabetes. And no joke, doctors were shocked. Like, they were like, how do you not? Right. Um, and, you know, knowing that, like, these people think, like, you should be on your deathbed and you feel like that, but you're not. It, it should make you feel good or better, but it didn't. It made me think, well, what the hell is going on? Like, right. what is going on where they obviously see there's an issue I so badly want them to help me and say, we'll get you help. But all they say is, oh, you need to stop eating and lose weight, which I couldn't do. And so it felt like this vicious cycle of right. just uh, like, like a hamster your wheel wheels. of I need help. You're not telling me I'm not going to ask you. And so I'm living this life of fear, essentially thinking, are they missing something? Do I really, am, am I going to have a heart attack? Am I going to do this? Which all of these things are, you're at a very much higher risk of, but how are they telling me I'm healthy when but, deep down inside, I knew I'm not healthy. I need help. Right. Like I was screaming for help, wanting someone to say, we'll help you. Right. Well, I think that's the, the, the easy thing to look back now and say, like, Physically, you look like this. Mentally, something has to be going on. How did no doctor ever recommend right. you going to see a therapist to talk about right. what got you to that point? Um, and looking back, I still, I still really struggle with how they could never recommend well, that. Even as now, a, like struggling, like trying to get the therapist I have today, who's amazing, and I'm glad I found her. It was a struggle. No, like, absolutely. It was like pretty much knocking my doctor over the head. Like I need help. Like, I don't need you to tell me I've gained weight. I don't need you to tell me I should lose more weight or right. I should watch my weight. Or like that doctor who body shamed me. Oh, you really shouldn't be gaining any weight. It's like, obviously, I know. And I'm asking for help. And you're still not giving it to me. Right. And that's one of the number one things I and I feel like a little drop of water in like a tiny or a huge pool or ocean. But it's like, I'm really that's something I'm passionate about is making those changes and making mental health a priority and letting doctors know how they're treating their patients. And when they're not treating people with love and kindness and respect and actually listening to what's going on and knowing they're not just another statistic or person or 
telling someone just to lose weight and magically they're going to start losing weight. They're not just a medical record number. That's right. an actual person. Like uh, things need to change in the medical field with doctors, with how they view patients, with how they view people who are overweight, with eating disorders, like all of it needs to change. And that's something I'm very strongly working on because I still to this day, knowing I'm struggling with an eating disorder, seeing a therapist with an eating disorder and still don't feel like doctors are helpful at all with it. Right. No, I think that that's, that's a huge, that could be a whole topic in and of itself that yeah, we that's could a good go idea. We should do super in depth about is, right. is the whole mental health in the medical area field. of the metal f- medical field. Right. Exactly. So, you know, no, I didn't really have medical issues at 500 pounds other than it's not healthy for my joints, my muscles, my heart, my, I wasn't moving. You're not circulating blood. Like, I mean, outside of your so weight, much, the numbers all checked out. Like you were right. healthy by all the numbers standpoint. And that's the thing is with people, you know, and this is another topic I want to do in another episode, but if all statistically you check out as healthy, was I really healthy at 500 pounds? No. The answer is no. I'll answer it right now. Right. Spoiler alert. No, I was not healthy. Um, but no, to answer that part of the question, I did not struggle with high blood pressure, was not on medication, did not have diabetes, was not... Literally, other right. than the number on the scale, you were normal on everything. Right. right. Weird. No, absolutely weird, but that's the reality well, of it. Well, here we are. <laughs> um, so let's move on to the next question. That is, what was your moment and what changed or switched when it was like this time was like what made it actually stick? Um, A lot of people talk about like my moment and I think in a few other episodes, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, Um, but my moment happened and it was one of those things where I was like, I was waiting for this moment to happen, this magic to happen. And when that happened, I was waiting for like, okay, now I'll start my weight loss journey and it never happened. And I think that added to, because I was waiting for... I think my fairy godmother to come down and be like, here, Jacqueline, I'll help you. This is how we're going to start. And be like, aha, here's my, here's your spot. Here's my clue of right. that I'm supposed to start now. And again, doesn't work that way. Um, but I did have a moment. And for me, Disneyland is my favorite place in the entire world. It has been forever. My first trip was in my mother's stomach. And then when I was six months and just the love for Disney grew from there. Um, and like I talked about earlier, I started getting very depressed and in a very dark place when I was at my heaviest, wasn't leaving the house, wasn't seeing friends, wasn't seeing family, really isolated myself and would go to work and home and that's it. Like it was, it got pretty dark there for a while. Um, well, as you said, it was kind of a hamster wheel of this is just the routine and there wasn't really anywhere. I can't do anything. This I'm ashamed. I made fun of everywhere I go. So I'm just not going to go out. Um, and so I don't know what made me decide to do this because like I said, I wasn't traveling. I wasn't walking. I wasn't moving. Um, but Kevin and my sister were like, let's just go to Disneyland. Maybe that'll help get your spirits up again and you'll maybe find your happiness or just get out of the house for a little bit. And again, this goes back to everything happens for a reason. I don't know what was going on in my head that I agreed to it because literally I wouldn't even go anywhere. Like, so to go on a trip to an amusement park, like why I said yes, I still to this day don't know. But I agreed. We went um, the whole trip. 
that first day when we were walking to the gates trying to get our tickets I felt like I was going to pass out like my feet my legs my body my back everything was in excruciating pain and I couldn't even make it to the gates had to get a wheelchair and the looks the stares the comments of riding around Disneyland in a wheelchair knowing you're not going to fit into any ride um, not wanting to eat because I was shamed again to eat in public it was just miserable and I remember like this is not my life I remember thinking as I was in the wheelchair going to the different things that we were doing thinking how the hell did my life get to this point like Disneyland is my favorite place my happiest place the happiest place on earth and here I am literally having the worst day of my entire life like how did my life get this bad And I remember trying to be like, okay, get out of this funk, Jacqueline. You got this. It's going to be okay. And it was hard. And if you know me now, you know that is the complete opposite of who I am. I am a very positive person. I find the good in every situation. I'm really good at if I have a moment of not believing in myself or a bad day, I'll cry maybe for an hour, have a temper tantrum, and then I snap out of it and I keep moving forward. That's just who I am. So for me to really find myself in a dark place was very hard. Right. Um, and so I kept trying, come on, Jacqueline, you got this. And then it would go away. Like I had no self-confidence, no motivation, nothing. And so, you know, I tried to think of, well, would I be able to fit on this ride? No, it has a seatbelt. No, I wouldn't even be able to walk through. No, it has this little gate. You can't go through it. No, like calculating every move. Like we talked about in the beginning, just to go out to eat. I had to calculate where the parking lot was, where the door was, where the entrance was, where could I get dropped off, how far were the tables. I found myself doing that here in Disneyland. Like, if I were to go on this ride, how long could I stand? Is there a way to get a wheelchair in? No. How could you get, no, the seatbelt, no, the handlebar like that. Like, it was a calculated thing that was going through my head of if I was going to be able to do something. And I remember thinking, you know, the rides in Fantasyland are bigger not really, but they're bigger. They're not like a small little seat. I could take up the well, whole... What's meant for a, an adult and a child to ride right. together. So I was like, if I have to sit by myself and take up the whole seat, if I don't pull the lap bar down as low, like I should probably be able to fit. So we got in line. The line was short. Got in line to go on one of these kid rides in Fantasyland. And it was all going well. I was... I, I This part is kind of cloudy. Like I don't remember actually standing there and being able to stand, but... I somehow did. (laughs) Um, But with all my calculations, I didn't fully realize that there's a turnstile you have to go through before you actually get on the ride vehicle. Um, And so I think my sister went through first and I went to go follow through and I got stuck going through the turnstile. Like there was no getting in or out. It was stuck. And I remember hearing the whispers, the points. I was trying to just do everything in my power to get unstuck and not listen or fully realize what was actually happening. I was just like, I have to get myself out of here right now. And um, I remember I got myself unstuck and then we just had to get out of line because there was no way I was going to fit through and there was no way I could jump over the thing. I could even, I barely could walk. So I just had to leave. And I remember Kevin and Jenny, my sister, were like, oh, my God, are you okay? What happened? Like trying to be like supportive and still, you know, trying to figure it out. 
And I just started laughing and was like, oh, my God, that's so funny. And my sister's like, well, maybe we can go through the exit and there's no turnstile. And I was like, no, no, no. You know what? I'm so fine. If you guys want to go, I'm fine. I don't want to ride it anyways. And deep down inside, I was on a verge of a mental breakdown. Like I had hit rock bottom. I didn't know how life could get any worse. Um, And of course, I'm not telling them this. I'm keeping it in and like, oh, this is fine. It's so funny. Isn't it so funny? It's fine. And I was like, well, I just have to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and bawled my eyes out, sat in the stall and was just so angry, so upset, so mad at myself and was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, this is not my life. I can't keep living a life like this, but I don't know what to do. And on that and at that point, like, you realized that, like, it was time for a change. Right. And so I, I don't know, like I said, things happen for a reason. I was sitting in that bathroom stall thinking life could not get any worse. What am I supposed to do? I'm literally in a bathroom stall in Disneyland, crying my eyes out, not knowing what to do. And like that fairy godmother I was always waiting for, like I told you in the beginning, instead of a fairy godmother, I felt like Walt Disney heard my cries and sent Tinkerbell or the fairy godmother, who knows, in, waved their wand on me in the bathroom. And literally all of a sudden, I snapped out of it. I stopped crying in the bathroom stall and was like, why am I crying? I got this. I know how to do this. I can just lose weight. I know. I'm ready. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm deserving. I'm deserving to live the life I always wanted. I'm deserving to go after my dreams and live my best life possible. I got this and literally wiped my eyes, stood up, walked out of the bathroom and my life changed forever. And I think I didn't realize it, but that truly was my moment. And whether it was just myself and that positivity finally kicking back in, whether Walt Disney himself came down and was like, lifting me up and saying, you got this, whether it was Tinkerbell, my fairy godmother, no matter whoever it was, something magical happened in that moment when I had hit rock bottom thinking nothing would ever get better. And I actually believed in myself and was ready to make the changes. Right. Well, but, but that's your moment. What made that moment different than those other times before when you had tried losing weight? I think this moment felt different because I actually had this not oh I'm just gonna go on this diet and lose weight I actually was like I deserve to be happy I deserve to make the changes to live my best life possible I deserve to be in Disneyland and not have to ride around in a wheelchair and have to you know not go on rides or worry about fitting on rides or going through turnstiles I'm deserving of that I'm deserving of living a life I've always dreamed of And I need my own love right now more than ever. And I think that had never happened before. Well, I think that's it exactly is right there. You found a reason bigger than just wanting to lose weight. You wanted it for a better life for yourself. You wanted to be able to go do the things that you wanted to do without having to calculate every single little minute detail of of an outing. You wanted, you had that physical, emotional thing that happened that you could draw on and say i never want to feel that again you had that moment that that it was that pivotal moment that changed everything that made this time different right and that's why i said whatever magic happened that's the first time who knows probably in my entire life or at least adult life 
that I actually believed in myself. I knew if I put my mind to something, no matter how big this was, no matter how much I weighed, no matter how much I had to lose, I believed in myself and I knew I'm going to make this possible. And it's not just weight loss. It's not just going on another diet. I need to change my life, my lifestyle. I need to get help and not only lose weight, but change the relationship I have with food, the relationship I have with myself. And I actually need to love myself in order to make those things happen. Um, And that's a lot to happen in a little bathroom stall in Disneyland. But honestly, that's genuinely what happened and for the first time i actually believed in myself and was ready to live my best life possible right so at that point you had decided like it's time to make a change um and our next question would be is did you tell others how much you were struggling that you were going to to try and lose weight again and that you were starting this journey um again how was this time different when you were starting as opposed to others Um, I was not ashamed that I was going to start losing weight or doing this for me. But for me, I wanted to keep it to myself. I didn't want to announce it to the world that, okay, here I am. Um, I'm going to start losing weight and I'm going on this, this journey because, you know, Walt Disney told me I was ready. Like it was something I wanted to do for myself by myself. And if I could have kept it in and not told anyone, I would have. And not because... I didn't think I would do it or I thought, oh, I'm going to let them down if I can't do it. Or what if I can't do it? It was none of that. Because like I said, when I set my mind to it, I was like, I'm doing this. Like there's no what if I can't? What if I fail? What if I fall? That was never in my mind. It was I'm doing this. So I didn't want to tell others because I was afraid to fail. I just was so self-conscious and lacked confidence in myself that I didn't want anyone else to know I was about to embark on this journey. I didn't want them to know how much I was losing because then they would figure out how much I weighed. And I didn't want to tell them, oh yeah, I lost five pounds this week, which brings my total to 50 pounds. I've lost total. And them to be like, well, if you lost 50 pounds and you're still big, how much more do you have to lose? Like it was that psychological game of I cared so much about what other people thought of me and I did not want them to know. Right. And so when I did begin my weight loss journey, obviously my parents, my sister and Kevin knew, but that's it. Like I didn't go announce it. I didn't make a social media page. I didn't take pictures and video and record it. Like I was so embarrassed, especially once I stood on the scale for the first time and it said 510 pounds. I was so embarrassed of that number that I did everything in my power to keep it hidden, to keep that number hidden, to keep it hidden that I wanted to lose over 300 pounds because I was so embarrassed if I told others, oh yeah, I want to lose over 300 pounds, that what they would think of me, what they would think of that. Like it was such from being bullied and made fun of and put down for my weight all my life. I was ashamed to let people know how bad it actually got before I got help. Right. And I think too, adding on to that is I was right along there with you doing the program with you, but I didn't even know A, what your goal was to lose over 300 pounds or what that weight number was. Like you were so embarrassed of, I guess, or didn't want to share that I didn't even know. And we were right Right. there together. Right. So a lot of people don't know this, but when I first started my journey and I did join Jenny Craig, um, 
Kevin joined with me. He didn't really have a lot to lose, but he said, I'm doing this with you, which meant the world to me that someone was actually going to be doing this with me. Um, But when I did my weigh-ins, when the lady would say how much I lost the week, when she, you know, anything that had to do with weight or my number, I did not let him know, even though he was right there, even though he was weighing on the scale, even though he let me look at his number on the scale or how much he was losing, I would not let him know. Like, I couldn't. Like, and if my mom was like, how much did you lose this week? I couldn't tell anyone. Like, I felt like I was living this little secret that I didn't want anyone to be a part of. And that was because of me, because I was so ashamed and embarrassed at that point of actually getting to this weight. Like, it was probably a good six months to a year before we uh, actually, you had opened up and shared with me where you had started and what your goal was. Mm hmm. Um, Because it really goes back to if I told someone my goal is to lose over 300 pounds, what would they think of me? And I didn't think of it as it doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter who cares like where I am now. But for me in that moment, I was so ashamed and so embarrassed that if I told someone, oh, yeah, my weight's 500 pounds, what would they think of me? Would they think of me different? Would the people who actually loved me then start treating me different and I would have nobody Like, and so I think I just kept that to myself. And until people started noticing I was losing weight, I didn't tell anyone. And when people started asking, oh my gosh, are you losing weight? I would say, oh yeah, I'm, you know, whatever. How much have you lost? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Because again, it went back to that. I'm ashamed. Like, um, so in the very beginning, no, I did not tell anyone anything about my weight loss journey um that i was even starting a weight loss journey um until i feel like i started losing weight and felt more confident in myself and actually owning like this is my story this is my journey this is part of what i'm doing and once i started owning that that shame that guilt that disappointment that all that i was holding on to released because I am so lucky I had so many supportive people in my corner who loved me and supported me for me and once I actually realized they loved me and it had nothing to do with my weight I was able to let down those barriers and those walls I put up for so long and actually start letting people in um well I think too once you started admitting like that I am doing this I am losing weight and I am having success I think that really empowered you and kind of created that snowball effect of like, watch me, I'm going to do this. Right. And I think even when I would go to the doctor and they were like, you know, you're going to lose weight. You have a lot of weight to lose. I don't know if you can do it. You might have to have weight loss surgery. It was like that fire got ignited in me where I was like, if you think I can't do it, you better watch out because I know I can do it. Right. And like I tell people, it's not about proving others wrong. Like you think I can't do it. Watch me. I'm going to prove you wrong. It was you think I can't do it, but I know I can do it and I am going to do it. So it was more about proving myself right. Right. Um, And so that's kind of where it happened is I started feeling empowered. I started feeling confident. I started feeling like, What I'm doing is bigger than just losing weight. And I think once I started to admit that, and it wasn't easy, it's not like all of a sudden I was like, okay, I don't care about my weight or telling people, it gradually got there. But it finally got to a point where I was like, I'm not ashamed because I'm more proud of what I'm doing now. And that took over more than being ashamed of where I was. Exactly. 
I think that's a powerful thing is when you can actually admit like I'm doing this and I've made the changes and watch me go as opposed to feeling, okay, I'm shy and awkward and timid. Like, am I really going to be successful? Is, is this really working? Am I doing the right things and all of these things? It's, it's powerful to say, I'm going to do this and watch me go. Right. And I think one of my big moments was we went on, I started my journey in March and in August, we took a family vacation to Alaska. We went on a cruise. And at this time, I had maybe lost from March to August, what was it, like 50 pounds? It's around 50 I had pounds, lost. I think, yeah. And I was feeling good. Like I bought some new clothes for the trip, obviously still self conscious and had a lot of the issues going on, but I started feeling good, bought myself some new clothes and planned out my outfits because. If you know me, I'm very girly, love fashion, love dressing up. So being able to fit in smaller sizes already, like I was just feeling confident for this trip. Um, And I remember we docked somewhere and this couple came up to me and it was kind of (laughs) weird, but really nice at the same time because that made a huge impact on me. I think you see the same people on the ship regularly. So like you kind of. So this older couple came up to me. And they said, we just, and of course, immediately I'm thinking they're going to make fun of me. Like immediately that's where your brain goes when that's what you've gone through your whole life. They came up to me and they're like, we don't mean to bother you. um, But we just wanted to let you know that you're so beautiful and all your outfits and how you dress and how you present yourself, even to come down to breakfast, you always look so beautiful. And we just had to tell you how beautiful you are. And well put together and right. just the, the whole night. And yards. I remember was... thinking, no one's ever told me this before. Like mom, dad, Kevin, but never like a complete stranger. And I don't think they realized how much I needed to hear that. Being someone who was struggling, who had just lost 50 pounds, was starting to find confidence. Um, and then no joke, 10 minutes after that, I had a couple behind me who we were walking down this hill to the town or whatever. And this couple started making fun of me, calling me fat, putting me down. And I remember thinking, I don't care. They don't know where I've come from. They don't know that I've lost 50 pounds. I just got complimented by this older couple. Um, Of course, my family didn't take it well. And my dad almost got arrested probably because he was going to start a fight with them. Um... But I remember feeling like this was the first time I was actually made fun of and put down. And honestly, I didn't care. Um, And I think, and they were like 10 minutes apart of each other, like a compliment and then a put down. Literally, like we were waiting to get off the ship and then we got off the ship and we were walking where we were going and it was literally like that far apart. Like it wasn't even like it was. And so I think that's when I started to feel that change, like this is different. This is bigger than all those times before when I was losing weight. It was shifting and it was shifting of finding my voice, finding my confidence, knowing that how I feel about myself is more important than what someone else thinks about me and reminding myself, you just lost 50 pounds and you're in a new dress size that you have not worn this size in forever. Who cares what some random couple in Alaska has to say to you about your size or your body? Like, I feel good. I'm actually knowing I'm making changes to live my life. And that's where I think it felt different. And I think that's when I started to be more confident in myself and in my journey and started to talk about 
it to people a little bit more. I still didn't say, oh yeah, I started at 500 pounds and now I'm 450 pounds. Isn't that great? Like I still didn't talk about my weight um, or how much I wanted to lose, but it started to give me that confidence. Like this is my journey and I should be proud of what I'm doing, not ashamed. Okay, so the final question to kind of wrap this whole uh, episode up is, uh, did you always struggle with your weight? And again, we've kind of answered this. It kind of ties back into that that 500 pounds, how did you get to 500 pounds question. And, and again, you expand upon this in that episode uh, 14, where you kind of dig deep into how, how you find yourself weighing over 500 pounds. Right. Um, yes, to answer the question, I always struggled with my weight since I was little. Um, it wasn't obviously as bad as it was that got me to 500 pounds, but it was definitely something I always struggled with. I was always the bigger girl in class. I was always the one getting picked last to be on sports teams. Like no one wanted me on their team. Um, I was always made fun of, put down for my body and for my size since a young age. Um, so it was definitely something I had struggled with. And this goes back to that part in the beginning where we talked about getting help is I wish instead of doctors just saying, try this diet, take away her carbs, um, put her, go to see a nutritionist so she can lower the amount of calories she's eating and monitor her food. Um, not realizing how damaging that is to a child of always having to watch what you're eating, not being allowed to eat certain foods, not being able to go to your friend's house after school because you have to go see your nutritionist because of your body, constantly worried about should I eat this piece of cake at a birthday party or am I not supposed to, um, and not realizing how damaging it is to a child who's already struggling. Um, well, I think that just goes to to play into you snowballing to that 500 pound weight. But I think there were so many ups and downs where you would find yourself uh, gaining weight and then you would follow a diet and a mm-hmm. doctor's program and lose the weight and then you would gain it back. Gain it right back, yeah. And so like, I think there was that constant thing of this up and down and right. up and down and, and up and down. And then it makes down. you feel like, well, what's wrong with me that you know I can't keep the weight off? And it would go back to blaming myself instead of blaming the system and what was happening and these doctors putting me on all these different diets and programs and you know wanting to put me on shakes and all these different things, not thinking that that was the issue, but thinking there was something wrong with me and then internalizing that to think I'm the one with the problem. Right. Instead of saying, you know what, you're struggling with food, your relationship with food, let's have you talk to someone to figure out why you're struggling with food. Why are you turning to food? Why are you gaining so much weight? Because um, I think that would have benefited me so much more as a child and especially in middle school when I really struggled with it. Um, to actually figure out why do I find myself eating all the time or constantly wanting to eat all the time instead of being put on all these diets. Right. Um, so it was definitely something I struggled with forever. Um, and I'm not one who puts blame on anyone for anything I've done, but there's definitely some eating disordered and disordered eating in my family, whether people have kind of admitted it or talked about it or know it or not. The relationship that some family members have with food and their relationship with food and the binge eating or the binge and restrict, um, especially now going through recovery, I'm noticing some of these patterns in my family and realizing this stuff was happening when I was growing up 
and the classifying foods as good and bad. You shouldn't eat this. You get dessert as a reward. You can't eat this unless you eat this. That's just what's been role modeled if you're from trying your to whole lose entire weight, life. You shouldn't eat this. And like Kevin said, it's what's role modeled. It's what you're around. You celebrate with food. You know, you have a bad day, you have food. You cope with food. And that was what was role modeled and what I thought was normal. Um, and so I think it goes back to, you know, not blaming anyone. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it was my family's fault. They allowed this to happen. But I think it really goes back to how you were grown up, how the relationship is with food of the people you live with or you're surrounded with, what their relationship to food is, how their relationship with their body image is, how they view food, view themselves, view their bodies. Um, and it all plays a part. It all plays a part and a role into who you are today as much as we want to say the past is in the past leave the past in the past there's so much to be learned from the past and from the past mistakes and challenges and struggles and to help you so you can keep moving forward today because without the past you can't continue to keep moving forward and until I kind of realized this and then kind of trying to break that cycle it was something I was always struggling with. Right. I think it's important too to look at the past as a way to, or something to learn from, not mm-hmm. to allow that to hold you back. There's a lot to be said of learning from your past mistakes instead of allowing those past mistakes to dig you a deeper hole. Right. And I think that's so important because as much as talking about my past hurts and is challenging for me at times, I think there's so much healing that goes on when we can look at the past and be able to acknowledge it and accept that as part of you and part of your journey without it defining who you are, who you are as a person, but that it was just a part of your journey and your story um, and making the changes that you need so you don't keep repeating those same patterns or behaviors over and over and over again. And it's very hard to break that cycle when that's what you were kind of taught from a young age or what you were, what you viewed or what you saw or... And it's hard to kind of break those habits. But until you realize what's going on or admit those things are happening, you can't make any of the changes and actually move forward and to break the cycle and to break the habit. So for me, it's like I can't control what everyone else is doing or if they're getting help with their eating or their relationship with food. I can't control that, but I can control myself and notice those patterns, notice those red flags, those triggers, what's going on. And try to switch it and change it so I can keep healing and recovering and moving forward without the past kind of haunting me or keeping me in a dark, negative place. And like I said, putting blame on, well, I'm going to blame you because this happened. Because it's so easy to be like, okay, I'm going to blame my mom because she's the one who gave me a bad relationship with food or taught me this. Like, that's not helpful But that to doesn't anyone. get you anywhere <laughs> exactly. either. Like, you point the finger at that person, but it, that doesn't solve the issue. You're still battling those right. those those battles and those fights to and so, try and overcome those situations. As hard as it can be to not try to put the blame on someone else, for me, I take responsibility for everything I've done. I've been through my challenges, my struggles. I have it on me. And that's so much easier to then deal with and let go than trying to put all of that on someone else because you can't really deal with it and fix it because you can't change anyone else as much as you... Well, and what happened has happened and right. you can't change that. So it's definitely something that is hard that I was struggling with from a young age, which makes it even harder to break those patterns, behaviors, and thoughts now. Um, 
but I use that now as a way to realize what was going on so I can heal and recover and go through the process of changing my relationship with food, with myself, with my body, and actually learn to love myself no matter what happens in life. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is no matter what we're challenged with in life or what we're going through, we have to love ourselves enough to make those changes because hating ourselves is not going to get us farther. Be regretting the past and living in the past with our past mistakes, regrets, or failures is not going to help us right now. We have to learn to embrace that, embrace who we are, embrace the messy, challenging, ugly, dark parts of ourselves and love those parts enough to be able to make the changes to be able to keep moving forward. And learn from those experiences. Right. And that's what I always say in our darkest moments when we cannot find any reason to love ourselves, those are the moments we need to learn to love ourselves the most because that's what's going to help us start digging ourselves out of that hole and start making the changes we need to live our best life possible because hatred doesn't change anything. Love is what's going to empower us to be able to feel strong and confident and motivated to keep moving forward. Right. Now with that, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up this episode and we would like to thank everyone out there who's listening. Um, and if you could also take the time to rate, review, and subscribe or whatever it is that you consume your podcast, that would greatly uh, help us out. Right. Um, so thank you so much to everybody for your continued love and support. Um, we would love to hear from you. Right. If you guys have questions or suggestions or, you know, I do want to do more of these, you know, Q&A style to really get you in to know me and my journey and my story a little bit more and to answer some of the questions that you guys have. So if there's any other questions you have about the past, now, present, during the weight loss, whatever it is, self-love, let us know um, and we can definitely answer those or topics you'd like us to discuss. Um we really want to make these podcasts so they're helpful for you and you can take something away from it and motivate you to embark on your own journey to live your best life possible, truly. So we would love to hear from you guys. Um, the easiest way is probably on social media. You are at Jacqueline Aiden 44. Um, our podcast is at Never Too Late to Fly. Um, so if you reach out to us there, um, those are probably the two easiest ways to get right. in touch. Um, so thanks so much thanks so much again to everybody for listening and remember it's, it's never, never too late, late to fly, fly.